0: Our heart sponsor for today is the 501c3 nonprofit National Treasures Artists in Residence. We are supporting them by offering an audience requested masterclass on business plan writing. Over 30 days, you will receive daily emails with microtasks broken down over the month that will give you a complete plan. This will help you assemble your ideas, communicate your concept to others, and raise capital. Participants will be eligible for prizes that will help you polish your plan to optimize success. Visit AchievePodcast.com forward slash business plans with an S to register. Our mind sponsor for today is Twin Flame Studios. We are thrilled to be co-hosting a webinar with them on November 12th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time to share insights on the benefits executives and companies can experience with podcasting. With over 68 million Americans listening to podcasts weekly, companies and organizations are sitting up and taking notice. The truth is, compared to podcasts focused in the entertainment industries, podcasting for business outcomes and applications have unique considerations to become a highly effective addition to your company's marketing and culture. Join us on the 12th for this educational event where we'll focus on getting podcasting ROI, external versus internal podcasting, and executive podcast guesting to demystify this powerful medium. Visit AchievePodcast.com forward slash webinars with an S at the end to register. On this episode, we have Ish Verduko. Ish was born and raised in Los Angeles. He spent a portion of his career in the Bay Area working for LinkedIn for a number of years before returning to Los Angeles and taking a role with Snap Inc., providers of the messaging app Snapchat. Ish has been passionate about DJing since young and launched startups in that arena. He's also been a fan of marketing and helping people achieve their objectives. In support of those ideals, he released a book entitled How Successful People Get Ish Done. Most recently, he has become director of growth and marketing at Crave It, a social app for food lovers.
1: Well, uh, Ish, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's really great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Ish, wh- where did you grow up?
2: Uh, I grew up here in Southern California, actually. I was born in Los Angeles. Um, I moved around a ton growing up, so I lived in, like, Southgate. I lived in um, East L.A., West, uh, like, West L.A. kind of area. I lived in Pomona, Claremont, Rancho, Riverside, Ontario. Um, Moved a ton growing up, you know, like, yeah. uh, My parents had me pretty young. We moved around a ton growing up just because they kind of wanted to have, like, a better life for me, whether that meant, like, moving out of some rougher areas and try to, like, Go to better schools and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. I have three younger siblings. I'm the, I'm the oldest one. Um, I went to high school at Ranch Cucamonga, which is in the Inland Empire. Sure, Edewanda. And Edewanda High. Yeah, you know my background very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then went to the college at UC Merced, which is a very small school. It's a part of the UC system sure. in the Central Valley. Right. Um, and now I'm back in LA after living five years in in San Francisco. I'm super yeah. excited to be back closer Good to, to, to have family. You back. It's it's very nice to be back here. <laughs> Thank you you're
1: you one of the pure uh, native Angelinos. Um, exactly. I've been here 20 years, and it feels like home. But yeah. at some point, you have to tell me when I can call myself an Angelino.
2: I think I think that's the, that qualifies. I hit the mark. All right, <laughs> yeah.
1: fantastic. I mean, both my kids were born here, so they're true Angelinos. Um, but yeah, I've obviously, found this to be to be home. So. Um, uh, clearly djing is a big part of your life yeah imagine that that passion was sparked when you were young like middle school high school share with us when did that start
2: yeah so uh i I didn't really realize it was a passion of djing specifically but after reflecting back on my life you know being a latino it's something about uh like it within our culture community is a big piece so it's like we have a lot of like family parties we have a lot of gatherings we have a lot of like uh just like engaging with different people whether that's family friends like basically everybody is an extended person of the family you know so we have these gatherings all the time and I was always one to want to entertain people whether that meant like organizing the table setup so that people like would play games or whether that was like making the cd with back when we had cds like cd with music so that like i organized it in certain ways so that each song afterwards would like flow off the previous song and people would get up and dance
1: your man Um,
2: yeah i would like i would like find i would find like a lot of joy in setting up the speaker setup in the backyard so i would like run the before we had wireless speakers i would run like that wired speaker to the stereo system and then like kind of just round sound in the backyard nice so that was kind of like middle school, high school, and then end of high school, one of my friends was like a pretty big DJ. He's really good. And uh, we played soccer together. And I just, one day I said like, hey, that's really cool what you do. Like, would would you be able to show me one day? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on, come over whenever you want. And then I just started coming over to his house after soccer practice, like literally with my shin guards on and like all muddy and everything. And we would just like, he would teach me everything and like little by little I would practice but it wasn't until I went to college you UC Merced when I realized like the full potential of DJing yeah, because right. there was, there was no entertainment on campus. We were in Merced, which is like the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to do. And then I was like, well, there's no DJs on campus. I can really like make a name for myself. I can entertain a ton of people. So then I just started grabbing equipment. I had 200 bucks in my account, bought a speaker, DJed off my laptop for like enough, like enough until I had enough to buy my gear And then it just progressed. started doing parties, started doing bars, started doing clubs, and started touring. Um, And yeah, now we're here.
1: That's fantastic. Wow. Um, We're definitely going to dive into that a bit more, but um, uh, you play football, uh, soccer. Uh, What position do you play?
2: Uh, I played goalie for a while, like throughout high school and uh, college for a year and a half.
1: Wow, you can have a very yeah. long career as a goalie. You can go yeah. to early forties. I'm a big soccer fan. I was born in Germany to parents of Indian origin. So um, nice. Yeah, soccer is definitely my my sport. Yeah. Um, who's your team?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't really root for like a specific team when I was like really into it. I was kind of like a Chivas fan, which is like the Mexican sure. league.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, Chivas. But funny enough, like sports, I have an interesting relationship with sports. I love playing them um and for a while i loved watching them but i I learned that i get super super invested and like like i'm emotionally invested to the point where like when the lakers would lose i would like have a bad week when the dodgers would lose i would like my entire day would be ruined or like i was a big broncos fan too so i was like i'll just get pissed off and then i realized one day like i have no influence on whether they win or lose why is it affecting me so much so like either i need to like remove my emotions or i need to like watch it less and just like continue being a supportive fan, but not like watch three hours of games a day, you know, like, cause, you know, baseball, there's days like games, like every other day and then football once a week and then basketball every other day, you yeah, know, so. Yeah.
1: But. Well, I completely agree with you. And uh, I'm very emotional about the German national team. And so I, um, I, I can't hear the commentators. I can't watch it in a bar, <laughs> bar I gotta be at home alone.
2: In but, your own space.
1: Uh, Yeah, but, uh, you know, good sportsmanship is something I'm very keen on. Um, And so in the first match of the 2018 World Cup, when Mexico beat us and we were the uh, reigning champions, um, er, I was walking around town. I had my Germany jersey on, but everybody with a green jersey, I was congratulating. I was <laughs> doing awesome. In Spanish, we were throwing uh, them off so I'm like felicidades. Uh, they're uh, like, "Who is this guy? Is he no, Latino?" <laughs> por qué estás hablando conmigo? Like, especially, I didn't look. No me parece como alemán. Yeah. So they're like, "What's going on?" Nice uh, Spanish, but, though. I hear thank it. Thank you. Thank you. I learned. I love languages. I know that I'm going do Errores, pero, uh, oh, that's good. I can't wait to do this podcast in multiple languages, quite frankly. But uh, the bulk of our audience is still uh, English speaking, so English-speaking. <laughs> we'll come back to it. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, you studied abroad in Argentina. And I'm bringing this up because um, you had this amazing concept for V sound and just reading the description that you had of it. I think it's a beautiful story about entrepreneurial endeavor, insight, inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then you had some, you lamented towards the end what ended up happening. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'd love for you to share that story.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I studied abroad in Argentina and while we were there like we would go out a ton during the week like during the week whether it was like a Wednesday or Friday or Saturday or whatever like going out to bars and nights and nightclubs Um, but we we uh, it was like a cohort of like 20 of us and like maybe 10 or 15 of us would get together in like one of the rooms and have like a pregame and and like just play music and have drinks before going out to the to the clubs because out there the clubs don't start to like one o'clock in the morning twelve thirty in the morning versus out here the clubs start at like 9 p.m and they're done by two you know but what but we were sitting around there like playing music off of a laptop and when you study abroad in any country you don't like think to take a big old speaker and this is like I don't know like years ago so they didn't even have like the Bose speakers like that compressed down to like a nice size so I was like I was like, and, and being somebody who was like a DJ, so passionate about music, I was getting frustrated the fact that like every time we would have these pregames, we weren't able to have like music at a, at a nice level, you know? So I, I started thinking like maybe I could plug it into the the TV and I couldn't figure out the wire. Like the, the TV didn't have the right wire. I wasn't going to buy a TV. I wasn't going to buy a speaker just for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, and then it just, I just, I just started thinking through like what, how can I, like whenever I have a problem, I want to find a solution. And this was a problem that I was extremely passionate about, which is music and entertaining people. So then I started thinking through like, well, I have a couple of DJ mixes online on SoundCloud. I was like, and I started doing, doing the logic in my head. Well, technically speaking, if I loaded them on a phone, like downloaded them or just loaded them on a phone or on the Wi-Fi so that there was no lag, and I played a couple of them at the same time, then you kind of have like a mini surround sound. You know, you don't, you go put your phone in a cup, put a couple of phones in cups and put them in different places of the room. And now you have like 50 minutes of sustained music. So I tried it with my laptop, and my phone, and then my roommate's laptop and his phone. And we got maybe like three of the phones and or two, both of our phones and then one of the laptops going. And I was like, oh shit, this is really cool. Sure. And then, and then the next time we had a pregame, I told everybody bring your laptops, bring your cell phones, we're going to try something. And we laid them all all out. It was probably like I don't know, ten laptops and a bunch of phones. Back then, it was like iPhone four was out. Um, and I was like, all right, everybody, we're gonna you're gonna click this link. It's my DJ mix. It's a house mix that I made it like last year. And we're we're gonna all play it at the same time on the count of three. One, two, three, click. And we got like maybe 70% of them that went off without a hitch. Nice. So then we placed them outside in the in the balcony area, one like in the restroom, one in like the dining room area. And then I would, just start, I would walk through, I would go from outside of the apartment or like whatever the ho- hotel-ish that we were staying in. And I would walk through the house to see like how it would sound. And I was just fascinated. I was like, how the hell do we not have an app for this? Right. And this is like during the days when like Facebook was just like, coming up this was like the tech bubble was just being like built per se i guess and everybody was creating apps and the entrepreneurial spirit spirit was really high so as soon as i got back from argentina i i was like i have to figure this out i'm not a coder or engineer by any means necessary but i got to figure out how to do this so a couple of friends there was like a group on campus that they were they basically like would have would get ideas from people and, and help them like make them come to life. And I reached out to them. We had a team. It was like uh one computer engineer, another like a person who was like a project manager, and another person who was like more of like a sound and like kind of mechanical engineer, just in case we needed to make an actual product, not an application. Mm-hmm. And essentially the way the story ends is we went on for months and months and months and try to figure out the problem. And the engineers were able to get it nearly perfect like within like milliseconds of perfect but the issue was when when you're we we were trying to do too much we were trying to develop like a a social network on top of a a shared musical network so if you were following me and i had 50 other followers that are all around the world or in the same room if 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 you were following me and i was like djing per se and playing music and you wanted to like listen in on your phone or your device uh there was there was like a milliseconds of a lag and and if you've ever heard like I don't know like in an an empty auditorium when music is playing there's like a weird echo and it it just sounds really off so whenever the engineers basically said like look we can do this but it's not going to sound good and my my idea and what I what I like dreamt of was I want to be able to go to like the beach or the park with 50 friends and in the case that we don't have a speaker or the speaker dies because that always happens (laughs) I want everybody to be able to just pull out their phone and like be able to spin music and then I was like wouldn't it be cool to do like a concert where you have 20,000 people everybody pulls out their phone and you have your DJ Tiesto up there like spinning but off of your phone you know so It it was a good idea. I think Samsung was actually uh, the company that ended up using something very similar and it it became installed on all Samsung devices. I think it was like the Galaxy at the time. Um, Not sure how that app is doing now, but it could have been really cool. It could have been really big, but it was fun.
1: Samsung is slightly better funded. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly, slightly. And
2: a a 19, 20-year-old college kid.
1: (laughs) But I think what's amazing about this story is... um the innovation, the passion, the desire. I mean, this is where great ideas spawn from. So I give you a ton of credit-ish for for doing that and a way to really try and march it forward. And um, it's a shame you didn't get there, but uh, that's a huge learning experience. Yeah, I'm
2: grateful for the learning experience, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you also got involved with a bunch of uh, event management and uh, marketing initiatives. Uh, there was that one company that uh, does Comic Con, I think. Yeah,
2: and, uh, show imaging down Foundation. in San Diego. Yeah, that was yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. And then um, clearly, you, just a number of marketing initiatives going on. And then um, what I love about this next phase of your career is that you started at LinkedIn. Mm hmm. And you were simultaneously running this is it pronounced iv3 yeah iv3 live iv3 live (laughs) share with us about that it
2: it actually started off in college like maybe a year after it was my junior year in college uh this was like at the the peak of my college dj career i was djing like three or four nights a week and then i i kind of started thinking like i want to have a little bit more control over the events that i'm doing i want to be able to basically like rent out like a building and say like I'm doing this event Here's how much it costs do specials for drinks do like get sponsors like local community sponsors to like put up a banner or a booth and stuff like that because the community uh, the community in, in Merced was really tough in terms of there was not very much support for businesses yeah. small businesses so they would die out like after a year so I wanted to help them out and so if the idea started off in college and then blah 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 I graduated and then I had to get my real job my big boy job so I kind of put it put it on pause for a little bit and then uh, one of my best friends Brian Ariola, was down in LA working at an entertainment company and he was interested in working in tech so I said like hey I think I can refer you at LinkedIn let me uh let me see what I can do I'll put your name in and, and, and if, you, if you come up and like, you land a job or you end up working in tech, maybe we can pick back up like, this passion of events that we both have, because we were both extremely passionate about like, entertainment, booking talent, booking really large venues, and like, having peop- just seeing the joy of people during a live event. I don't think there's any experience that can replace that feeling of being with like, hundreds or thousands of other people that are equally as excited to hear the music um, in person
1: any kind of congregation of human experience i mean this is my love of of sports and soccer comes from there we're connected by what's happening on the field and that like like the emotion yeah there's being people and so similar events that happened when i was a younger man i'm 43 now but in my 20s when i was doing the clubbing thing that I know exactly what you're referring to when there's that 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 rush of emotion or you're in a concert and uh everybody's like your favorite singing. song. Everybody's favorite
2: song, they start singing, yeah. It's like that
1: together. It's just yeah. mind blowing. So I totally get what you're saying.
2: So that so that's essentially what we were trying to do. And we we, we thought about or like, look, if we each we I don't even think we put any money into the business. We we basically like pitched it to a couple of clubs in sf and we said like hey what's your weakest night what's the night that you make the least amount of money give us a shot and we'll like book the talent we'll promote it we'll we'll take like a a cut of the door we'll take a very small percentage of the bar um and it was like a thursday i think and the turnout was okay we got a couple hundred people and then that's how that's how i basically started whatever we money we got from that maybe we cut 500 bucks or whatever we put that towards the llc and then we just like uh, kept doing events. Every event that we would do, we would put take the money and put it back into the company. Whether that's creating the website, the Gmail, whether that was like the event marketing, all of that stuff, you know, like marketing materials. And then, I mean, we, we were doing pretty good. The only thing was the scale that we wanted to be at. We we didn't want to take out any loans. We weren't. We already had like debt, student loan debt. Yeah. We were trying to like make a name for ourselves in tech. We didn't want to take this big old bulk of like 50 or 60 grand. And for the scale of events that we wanted to do, we, we wanted to get to like the concert level, like the live nation level. Yeah. Um, and to get there, the trajectory would have taken a long time Sure. in, in terms great. of the, the amount of revenue that we were making. like We were making 15 to 20 grand for, for the club or the, or the venue. But from that, we were only getting like a couple of grand like yeah. maybe like three or four grand and then you got to pay our expenses to the that's DJs, cool. the performers, the musicians and, and all of that. Yeah,
1: um, no, so That's
2: it's, that's kind of how like it, it like died out a little bit was just sure. cause we really wanted to do it, but, and, and even now, like looking back, we've had conversations like, Hey, could you imagine like with COVID every, <laughs> like what we, what would happen to us? Like yeah. nobody could have predicted that. No. But we're very grateful that we had like our, our careers in tech to, to be like the foundation, you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. What uh, attracted you to working at LinkedIn?
2: Um, I, I've all, honestly always been attracted to, to things at scale, uh, particularly like the human connection at scale. So like back in high school, I think it was AOL Instant Messenger that I was using. MySpace came out and uh like i said when i moved to town growing up so i would always get frustrated when i would go to a new school go to a new city make all these new friends just to just to lose them after a year or two and and then and then all of a sudden these apps started coming out twitter came out myspace came out and all of a sudden i'm I'm able to connect with people that i haven't seen in years or i thought i was never going to speak to again because I, i didn't have a phone and then that's when I started thinking through, like in, when I got to college, I was like, I mean, like what would be my dream company? I think when I was 19, my dream company was Snapchat.
1: Nice. And
2: and when I was, when I was 20, turning 21, my dream company was like LinkedIn. I saw the power of, in LinkedIn yeah. and the, the way it was able to connect people with jobs and, and branding and, and all of that. Um, but I've always been attracted to, to things at scale like Twitter, Netflix, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, um, you can you can reach your audience on those platforms without paying anything. You can go yeah. on twitter right now and and search hashtag hashtag podcast hashtag entrepreneur and find anybody that talks about that right exactly. now for free you know exactly. I think that's powerful
1: yeah, it absolutely is and I love the way you tied that into um the moves you made when you were young and mm-hmm. that desire to stay connected um so uh you had a you've had a few you had a few different roles while at LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, share with us about the various things you were doing there. And then yeah, ultimately from... the, the diversity role. I'd love to hear more about that.
2: Yeah. My my career confuses people because they're like, you've done four different roles in the six <laughs> years that you've worked. How and why? Um, I started off doing recruiting events at LinkedIn. And essentially what that means is um, when you're a big tech tech company like LinkedIn, you're competing against really big tech companies for supposedly a limited supply of of high performing talent. Right. Um, everybody's after the same people, the, the same people that have the great backgrounds and and uh, the pedigree. So what we would do is host these recruiting events that, that showed the company culture firsthand, while also allowing for the, the people to be interviewed by executives or by, by hiring managers. Um, and then from there, I kind of, again, I always had this passion for media and marketing. And I saw an opportunity for us to be able to better market as a company to university students. So during this time, it was like 2014, LinkedIn wasn't as hot of a company to the younger audience. Yeah. Like the 18 to 25 audience wasn't on the platform as much as it is now, like at all. And so people didn't didn't see LinkedIn as an employer of choice in that dem- age demographic as much when they would get offers from Facebook or these other cool companies, we we would we would lose like offers to to other companies when when I was sitting back thinking like we're just as good if not better as of a company as all of those companies. So then I started thinking through well how can we show these people, these kids, these students, what it's like to work here. And so I just started doing like marketing projects on the side. I, I worked I partnered up with the community the communications team, um, the social media team, the employer brand team at LinkedIn. And started doing like social media. Started a social uh, social media Instagram. I mean, the Instagram account, a Twitter account for LinkedIn. They called it LinkedIn Students nice. um, to reach students that were interested at working at LinkedIn. And we featured blog content, we featured video content, social posts, highlighted interviews with uh, interns, and and just a ton of content. And the reason why I bring this up is it it was a transition to my next job at LinkedIn, which was more uh, doing employer branding and. Yeah. For anybody that's listening, employer branding um, and talent brand is essentially how companies use their brand and leverage it to show the world what it's like to work there. And so that people around the globe and their target audience, pick them as the employer of choice. Like Mm -hmm. I want to work there. That's the place that I want to, that's my dream company. Um, Which is kind of what
1: you did, (laughs) LinkedIn and (laughs) Snap.
2: (laughs) Uh, and then that transitioned to my third role, at LinkedIn, which is uh, th- during that time, I-, I started figuring out that I had this huge passion for social media. Mm. And then I was like, well, what would it take for me to do a social media job full time? So I just started like refining my skills. I took like 15 social media courses. I like refined my copywriting skills. I talked to social media managers. I tried to learn. I learned about content development, content calendaring a little bit of SEO, I learned about like blog development, all that stuff to basically prepare myself for the day that an opportunity would come up. I I wouldn't have the experience, but I have like the, like the hustle I have, I have like potential. Um, And then a role opened up at LinkedIn to lead social media for LinkedIn's biggest business line, which is talent solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're familiar with like LinkedIn recruiter, which is the biggest Mm -hmm. revenue generating service that the platform has, um, I led social media for that business um, nice. and then basically flipped my career at 180 and uh, and came to Snap to do diversity uh, and inclusion initiatives. And mm-hmm. the, the way that came up, because it sounds so out of the blue, is after a while, social media still be, still was really fun to me, but I felt like there was more that I could do. Gotcha. Um, and I thought to myself, I'm always going to do social media in my personal life and on like side hustle projects so like why not do something that i'm like equally as passionate about during my full-time job and then just continue refining my social media abilities on the side so i just started thinking about like well what is it that i'm passionate about and diversity and inclusion always came up to be the top of the list nice yeah
1: um did uh moving back to la play at all into that decision
2: yeah definitely like i when i moved to san francisco i told myself Five years um, that I have. Five years in, in the city. I think I actually said four years when I started, and then I, I figured that it, an extra year would it benefit my career a ton, True. Um, just because that you can't get that you can't get once you're in tech in San Francisco, you can't get that growth um, trajectory like anywhere else. You know the opportunity is insane. You're in the you're in the tech bubble. You're meeting people on a weekly basis, daily basis. Anytime you would go out to a bar, you meet people at like these amazing companies, you know, doing amazing roles and then they become part of your network and the network keeps growing. Yeah. Um, but then it was like, Oh no, I need, I need to be back in LA. I'm missing too much. I'm missing too much family. Um, yeah. And, and Snapchat was, like I said, it was on my list since I was 19. Yeah.
1: And so I was like,
2: well, it's one of the best companies to work for in LA. They have an open role that's happens to be what I'm passionate about. Um, let's shoot my shot. Nice. Nice. (laughs) That's great.
1: Well, and, um, you're working in an area that's getting a lot of attention right now—diversity yeah. and inclusion. Um, what kind of discussions are happening now about changes you would make, or—or or is it? I mean, SNAP has traditionally been on the forefront of these topics; hasn't been mm-hmm. um, sort of on the, on the naughty list at all. It's mm-hmm. been a big proponent. This has been a big part. So, will there be any changes you'll make, or is it just now you're finally going to get the visibility and credibility you've deserved?
2: I think, I think as an industry, I was just talking to my friend who runs uh, like diversity and inclusion, almost like a startup, and they help companies hire diverse talent, particularly Black and Latino. Yep. And we had a conversation last night about this because we are particularly excited. Um, the fact that diversity and inclusion is getting the respect and the credit, like you said, the credibility that it's deserved for a while um not only at snap but speaking holistically for the entire industry we're and him because he's he interacts with tons of companies like not just he partners with snap but he also partners with a ton of other companies and so he said like i'm i'm he's starting to see like it's starting to click in people's brain you know it's sad that all of this stuff had to happen yeah but the fact that people are understanding the experience of an underrepresented minority in the United States, and it's finally clicking and it's, and the systemic issues are finally presenting themselves and people are, are seeing them and um, actually willing to listen is amazing, you know? Um, And we're doing a number of initiatives at Snap. Our CEO has spoken um, outwardly publicly about what we think that we should be doing. Um, But I, I mean, as a whole, I think the industry we're going to see some change yeah. and little by little companies are coming out of the woodworks and making statements, which statements are great, but let's see, let's see like the action follow up, you know? And now that people are, are seeing the statements, I think we're, we'll be able to hold these companies a lot more accountable than we have in the past because it was an assumption that they should do what's right versus now they're saying, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And people are saying like, okay, we'll hold you accountable and see if it happens.
1: Nice. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. And uh, look forward to those, uh, to seeing how that unfolds. And I agree with you. It is a shame what has had to happen, but hopefully it can, systemic change can uh, can come out of it, and structural change that is for the better. Yep. I agree. No hope for that. Um, let's talk about your book. Uh, Get Getish done. Um, And I want to acknowledge that uh, it just launched and you canceled your launch party out of respect Mm -hmm. for um, the current sentiment. Um, And so I know that wasn't an easy decision given (laughs) your DJ roots. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it was, it was tough, but it needed to be done. And um, I mean, I've been lucky enough to build this platform over, over the years um, on, on different social platforms and even in-person events. So I felt it was necessary for me to use my platform to spread awareness to some people that maybe aren't as educated or in the know to some of the issues that we're seeing. Um, so I kind of use it as also an opportunity, not only to like shift the focus from me and and be excited and, and celebrate, but also in my, in my email that I sent out to everybody, letting them know about the cancellation, I included a, like four different resources that people can check out to learn about what is happening in America and why, and what they can do to help make change, whether that's donate or learn about organizations. That's so, great, that's yeah. great.
1: Well, you had a post about how the book was um, one of the toughest things you've done. Yeah, by far. <laughs> so share with us, what, what when did you first have this idea of I'm gonna write this book?
2: Um, about nine and a half months ago. I've, I've, I've been on a learning journey for maybe three years, um, three and a half years, four years. Yeah. Four years. And and it started off with just one book. I, I listened, or I actually read in a book called smart cuts by Shane snow. Okay. Um, and up until that point, well, I was maybe like 22 or 23, 23, And I was never a reader, like maybe Harry Potter books when I was way younger um like Di- diary of a wimpy kid or one of those books series but in high school middle school elementary school um i kind of struggled with reading and writing and so when you struggle for when you struggle with something as a kid it automatically becomes less fun sure you know you 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 start to hate it and you don't really know in in that time why it's difficult you just well, get frustrated okay. you know
1: were you and tested so- uh, for dyslexia or
2: I, I honestly think I might have a little bit of dyslexia. Yeah. Um, I've never been tested for it, but I think I, think I might because I, I, I love listening to audiobooks. But in terms of like reading books and sometimes reading aloud, I'm not the strongest at it. Yeah. And I, what I honestly think it is, is when I grew up, like I said, my, my, my parents had me at a really young age. So I was raised by a combination of like, for the first year, the first 10 years of my life was like my parents and both my grandmothers from each the yeah. family. and both my grandmothers immigrated here from mexico and they don't speak a lick of english like they understand maybe 10 percent of it they can speak enough to get to get by you know if they were stranded but they don't speak english at all so when i was growing up like zero to five years old it was like spanish and english and spanish and english and go to school english and come home in spanish so like i was learning these two languages at the same time and they're both very complex languages there's past tense, future tense, the Spanish language is confusing already alone. And, you, and, then you, and then you throw in English and it's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So I, I honestly think it, what it was is a lot of times, and even now, honestly, when I write, sometimes when I write something, I write it in Spanish, but it's just with English words. Yeah, and, I, I know what you mean. and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense to me, you yeah, know? Yeah syntax
1: especially word uh, or, like I messed that up too
2: yeah all the time the, ten, the tenses sometimes I'll switch them um, yeah so I mean that's and that all of this to say this is why it was the most difficult thing I've ever done Amazing. because write, writing was always my weakest subject you, you know
1: stuck with it yeah and uh, uh, I've seen your posts I've seen the way you write you're a very good writer
2: thank you working on it little by little every day you know practice
1: so did something happen at nine and a half months, like nine and a half months ago where you said, I got to write this?
2: Yeah, I was driving down to see my sister in San Diego. We were having like a lunch date and uh, I was in my car on the five, listening to audiobook Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Sure. Um, and a ton of people had recommended the book. Fun fact, I only listen to books, audiobooks that are recommend by recommended by people who also read books like are active readers. I don't just, if somebody just says, Hey, you should read this book but they don't read themselves. They just happen to read one good book. I don't take that as like credible. It's so like mul- multiple people that I respect in terms of like reading and, and like constant learners recommended that book to me because they saw this journey of like learning that I've gone yeah, through. Yeah. It's like you recommending a DJ. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm,
1: more, I'm more keen to listen to you. When you're...
2: <laughs> it holds more weight. Yeah. For sure. Um, so I was just listening to that book and, and everybody that recommended it to me, one or two people said, I don't know what it is about that book, but some part in the book, something's going to click in your brain. And it's and it, one area of your life, whether it's relationships, projects, side hustles, work, career, something's going to like exponentially be increase and be more clear. And I was like, yeah, that's bullshit, whatever. I'm, I'm here to learn, but I, I, don't, I don't know. This sounds like very like pie in the sky, you know? So, but I, I kid you not, I was driving down, listening to, I was maybe halfway through the book and it wasn't something that the author specifically said, but I think it was just a combination of all the learning and then up to that point in the book. And I just had a thought in my head and the thought was, Ishmael, you're being extremely selfish that you're learning so much and you have the opportunity to, to learn. You have these resources and you're not giving all of that to other people. Right. Like I would I would share snippets here and there on social media. I would write blogs, but like this self-talk that I had was, you're being selfish. You need to somehow develop a piece of content that summarizes everything you've learned so that other people like you, the 16-year-old you, or even other people that your ages or even older, who don't have the time to, listen to 45 self development audiobooks in 3 hours worth of podcasts a day and documentaries and and i and then so i just kept driving i had this i was like having like a self talk with myself a talk with myself and uh, i started thinking through like well shit i'm not writing a book that's for sure i can't write for crap and then so i started thinking through what's every other option that i can do it. But not write the book and i thought through <laughs> maybe a youtube series i could do like almost like an e-learning platform 10 yeah. episodes each episode yeah. we talk about something in goal setting habit building all this stuff and then i started thinking through like i like being on video if i am being interviewed or if i'm talking with somebody but i find it extremely boring when i'm speaking to a camera yeah, true. and i'm not like the, the instructor type of person i've never been and i don't think i ever will be in that in that sense So that kind of was out the picture. Then I started thinking like blogs, blogs are easy, you know, like I could do a ton of blogs and have somebody help me edit them. And then I started thinking through like, this is also during a time when I was reading like 10 to 15 blogs a day, like TechCrunch and Business Insider, LA Times, all that. And I started thinking through out of the thousands of blogs that I've read, how many of them have so impactful that I've reread twice or three times or so impactful where I implemented The key learnings into like my, and integrated them into my daily routine or like Mm -hmm. drastically impacted my life. And I was like, maybe a couple here and there, but I can't even remember the titles or who they were by. Shit. Mm -hmm. The only option left to really make an impact at scale, again, bringing back the fact that I wanted to do things at scale, was a book. You can translate it to different languages. You can do an ebook. You can do a physical book. You can do an audio book. Um, And then that's when all the self doubt started to come in. I was like, "Well, you're not you're not a good writer, so how are you going to do this?" It's like me talking to myself in my head. Sure. You're, not a, you're not a good writer, so how are you going to do this? And then I, I was like, "Well, I'll hire an editor to help me. I have the great, I have all of the ideas, I have all of the knowledge, I have all of the research already. I just need somebody to help me bring it together." And I, so I did. I was like, "I hired an editor. I hired a graphic designer to help me with infographics and just, just the design of the book to make sure that it was concise." and um it was enjoyable to read not these super long chapters but chapters that were broken into like sections it had story it had context it had research um it was relatable Mm -hmm. and and yeah for the the following nine months to the nine months to follow um it was grueling (laughs) it was (laughs) grueling because again it was the most it was the, the weakest thing that i was that i was good at you know it was my weakest strength per se um, for versus every other project that I had done in my life I've done some really difficult things and things that I, I don't think I would have ever been, been able to do but they were all in areas that I was good at so there was branding social media marketing selling entrepreneurship um, DJing music entertainment like these are all areas that I like plan event planning all areas that I was good at and I had been working on for a while
1: yeah.
2: so that, that's what made it difficult
1: I bet. Amazing. But you've accomplished it. So uh, I give you a lot of credit and kudos on on doing that. Thank you. Um, So the book is um, guidance for entrepreneurs, would you say?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, entrepreneurs or anybody who has a goal in mind, whether the goal is being better at your job, landing, um, being more advanced in your career, whether it's like starting a business, whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting... um, any, any goal in mind it, it, the the framework that I developed is translatable to anything. I didn't write it just for fitness or just for entrepreneurs. Um, and the audience that I wrote it for in mind was people who are underrepresented in any area. Um, and the reason why is because I was always doing all this research and self-development and learning. I took a step like two steps back and I started to realize all of this content is great. All of these books are amazing. I'm learning a ton, but there's like, something missing in all of them and then the more that i started to like think about it i was like all of these authors or most of them are white men yeah and i was like that's that's why there's a piece that's like like not hitting the mark with me whether it's like some of the cultural um, ties that they would bring in i was like i don't really know what that means but okay you know i would just keep reading and so so i wrote the book with a diverse audience in mind you know whether you're black latino or from any other underrepresented minority I think the book will, will resonate a lot more. You know, I, I end the quote with a Nipsey, Huss, Nipsey Hussle Nipsey Hustle quote, which is he's like one of the the most um what one of the I would consider one of the best rappers ever nice. um from, from Los Angeles and who recently passed away, so R.I.P. Nipsey. Um I started off with the Martin Luther King quote. So it's like these little things that people might not notice while they're reading it, but I took very close attention to detail, the stories that I that I included, my personal stories, the people that I included. I included a diversity of people, not just researchers and the Brene Browns. I included Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I included like DJs, performers, entrepreneurs, Steve Jobs, like from different areas so that anybody that reads it would find something that they really like and Wonderful. can relate to.
1: That's the key, being able to relate to it. Yeah. Really, if you've hit the nail on its head, it's it's well done. That's really great. Thank um, you. Which, which chapter or section are you most proud of?
2: um chapter chapter one for sure mm. so, so chapter one um i walk i walk the reader through an exercise that sets the foundation for the entire book mm. um it's it's a this thing that i call self-concepts so when you think about successful people everybody says that person is successful because they're so self-aware their self-awareness is on another level they know themselves so they're that's why they can do what they do and the more that i started researching because like, that's what i first start, that's what I first thought after realizing that all of these successful people know a lot about themselves, which is gives them the higher advantage to take opportunities when they, when they come up and like double down on their strengths, you know? But when I started like researching more about self-awareness and trying to describe it, self-awareness wasn't the right term. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't be taught how to be more self-aware. Self-awareness essentially is like if you look in the mirror and you realize you are you, you're aware of oneself. Like if you wake up one drunk night and you're like kind of still drunk, but you look in the mirror and you realize that you are yourself, you're still self-aware to, to recognize yourself, you know? True. So, so uh, I, started, I was like, what's the term that I'm looking for? And essentially it's like self-concept. How can you break down yourself as an individual yep. to learn more about different areas of your life? And the way I broke it down is there's your past self, your present self, and your future self. Your past self is looking back at all the years that you've been on this planet and dissecting different areas of your life. Um, Looking at things that you've been good at, things that you've been attracted to, but you might not have noticed. It was just something that you've always done and laying it all out on paper. I've always been attracted to sports. There was one particular type of um, activity in sports that I liked, which is like the high pressure sport. I like the high pressure role. So then I was like, well, that's interesting because in my day job, I'm attracted to high pressure roles. Mm. So then once you start to lay these things out, it's like a research study on yourself. You start to to realize these themes and then you start to ask yourself questions. What do I hate doing? What do I love doing? Why do I hate doing it? These questions that we always think of asking ourselves, but, and we think we know the answers to, but until you like write them down, you don't really know. know. What areas do you thrive in? Like, what do you hate doing? What annoys you most? Like what surroundings do you you best ideate in? Like all these things are essential if you wanna like optimize any time that you spend on a project. Yeah. And then your present self, it's like things, what are you doing now? What are you doing? Asking these questions that we kind of just push to the back of our mind because we gotta focus on the now, we gotta get paid, we gotta work on these projects. And then it's like the future self put your aspirations on the line. Hmm. What, what would you wanna do in five years for your career? Or what are you extremely passionate about and what can you see yourself doing if you really like doubled down and tried? Whether that was DJing for me five years ago and I said, I wanna go on a US tour. And I was like, okay, well, what, what is it gonna to take to get there? Why do I wanna get there? Am I doing it because everybody else is doing it or am I doing it because I'm passionate about entertaining people hmm. and music? And then once you ask all of these questions, then you start to really understand what has been a lie that I've been telling myself and what has been truthful because I've been actually passionate about it. And my, and, and you're, you're, uh, all like all the research on yourself will show, you know, all the extracurricular stuff you've done, you start to see themes and you're like, well, I wouldn't have done all that if, if I hated it. Yeah. And if I did hate it, let me put myself in that mindset when I was younger and 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 think through: Was I doing it to be cool, or was I doing it because I really liked it?
1: Yeah, you know? that's amazing, and it's so important, and it's uh, how it it forms the uh, the basis of expectations and what people around us think we should be going and doing. Exactly. Um, uh, so I really I commend you on that. And now it's suddenly the title of your book um, has new meaning to me because now it's about like getting you done or creating you or you that that persona yeah it's coming to into sharp focus now which is great yeah,
2: because that first chapter sets a foundation like I can give you every trick in the book I can give you every strategy in the book to achieve your goals and literally do some amazing things that you never thought you would have been able to do but if you don't do the work to understand why you're doing it or like if you're actually passionate about it then you're just going to end up in a couple of years from now achieving these amazingly like successful like amazing success and amazingly cool things but then you're going to still be empty inside because you did it for the wrong reasons you know
1: i could completely identify with that i mean growing up as indian american in the u.s if you had any ability in the sciences guess what you're told to go do my dad was like you got to be a doctor yeah i'm like nothing of that really appeals to me but i (laughs) forced it went and did the whole pre-med stuff and uh, finally, I went through this research experience one summer and, and I hated it. And I came back and I'm like, I can't do this. And it's been a rift ever since. But uh, finance was something that was far more interesting to me. And uh, so I went down that path and it, it spoke to me. I was passionate about it. So that it made the, the key difference. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad I kind of rescued myself early on. I have so many yeah. friends who like have become surgeons and now they're doing something completely different yeah <laughs> Then it's like all that
2: time you could have been exactly. investing in something else
1: exactly yeah. well a funny quip about the title of your book when i first saw it i thought it was maybe something that uh, kenya barris had written you know the the author of uh, uh-uh. blackish oh yeah spin-off yeah shows. you know shows thought it was like a spin-off <laughs> another spin-off of the book or something yeah exactly uh, <laughs> I know that's his name that's the other
2: <laughs> yeah i had to i had to weave that in somewhere it's that branding you know
1: absolutely cleverly. Yeah. Yeah. I I need to come back to you and get more advice and tidbits. Um, This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your candor. Um, Congratulations on on your various successes on the publishing of this book and uh, most importantly about pursuing your passion and knowing what that is and your self-concept. I feel like you really got that nailed down and I admire that a great deal.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. And you did a phenomenal job asking all the right questions. I was super impressed with how you like you literally dug into some research. I've, I haven't been asked some of these questions in a while, so I appreciate it, the thoughtfulness and the time.
1: Well, that's wonderful. That means a lot to me. So thank you for, for sharing that. No problem. Well. I hope this is the first of many conversations and, and interactions. Fantastic. Thank you.